Hello, 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 this is Thumbs United. Let's get started. I don't remember if we finished the championship we're supposed to be doing. GTI, not the rabbit. But it's been a busy week. I usually like to have these streams, uh, like I'll post the podcast edition and YouTube edition on Monday. It's Wednesday when I'm recording this, so it's a little late. But the weather has been so perfect for droning that I've been doing that all the past week and a half. And so now, uh, there's like a small snowstorm. So I figured I'd do some gaming and then I'm recording a couple of tutorials. I already recorded one tutorial. Just the, I still have to make the text graphics and stuff for it, but it's about how to use AI and how to you know, run it in Python uh, as a Python script. So that's done, and then I just had to post the code to GitHub. But, um, like I said, I have to do the titles and stuff for it, and the voiceover. I just screen recorded the installation process. But uh, I've also, while I've been droning, I've been doing some cityscape photography with mostly medium format color film. So I'm gonna record a tutorial on how to develop colored film at home and how it can save you money. So that's what I'm gonna be doing after this. I already have my photography gear not set up, but I've accumulated a pile uh, where I'm gonna film the tutorial. So I'm gonna do that and then I'm gonna develop all the film I've taken I've done uh, 10 rolls of medium format, so that's about, and that's 120 photos. Each roll of medium format only takes 12 photos, but they're huge fat photos, so that's why you can only take 12 of them on a roll. Today is going to be a busy day. And then I was woken up early. I had no reason to wake up early today. I did most of the stuff I needed to do in the morning last night. But um, my dog wanted to go out. She's on her cycle. And she's looking for a boyfriend. Uh, she can't get out of her yard, but she does this thing where she like howls and she's a Newfoundland and like she will it's funny because it sounds like a whale it's like, but so I 
they sleep in uh, the kitchen slash TV room. And then I have my room. It's on one floor. And uh, so I close my door. And that is the other thing. I've been having like panic attacks at night. But it's... That's a whole nother story. I'll tell that soon. Uh, but she... Before I could hear her, you know, kind of put the nose under her, under the door. So I was like, I know you're there. Like, you can feel like somebody's watching you. And there's her nose at the bottom of the door. Um, and she is, she's a rescue. But she does this thing where she's almost like a telepath. Because she will just stare at things. Like, deep into their soul. Like she'll stare at a squirrel in a tree and she just sits and watches it and you can tell she's like she's doing the power of intention she's visualizing the squirrel falling out of the tree and so she can eat it or something like she's really concentrating and so I kind of felt like she was like really concentrating under the door I was like oh I'm gonna sleep in so that's what it's been like all week she wakes up at like three in the morning and she's like I want to go out I'm like no you're not going out at three uh, but now she started howling and so now she howls at the door it's like I can't ignore that and so I try and then it's like maybe two hours of me pretending I can't hear her because I'm trying you know it's a question of who's training who you know Am I training her or is she training me to do what she wants? And the answer is, she's mostly training me. But, uh, so at five, I, I decide, okay, it's late enough for you to go out 5 a.m. And so I let her out. She goes to the restroom and stuff and howls a little bit. And then she comes back in. And I think, oh, good. So then I go back to bed. And she literally starts howling like 30 minutes later that she wants to go back out. And I'm like, no. So that was this morning. And I finally gave up around 8 a.m. And I was like, I'm getting out of bed. Even though I cleared everything to sleep in. What? Championships done. But no, so. The panic attacks. Uh, well, it's not quite panic attacks. It's just like, I don't know. It's like being triggered instantly. But. So I'm falling asleep and. The house I used to live in before, it didn't have uh, HVAC system. So every time the heater turns on, it like jolts me awake. I'm like, what the heck is that? And I jump out of my skin and then I you know, try to calm down and go back to sleep. So I finally got used to that and I started sleeping deeper where it didn't affect me but this whole week has been difficult because I have been sleeping very lightly 
And so like I thought someone broke into the house the other day, but it turned out my dog just flipped over the trash can. Not to get what was in the trash can, but just because she wanted to chew on the little bathroom trash can. And so I was like, oh my goodness, everything's giving me a heart attack. And the other issue, uh, which is the reason why I think I'm sleeping lighter, is one, I'm watching the dogs, and two, uh, one of my dogs is very old, like really old for a, for a Newfoundland. She's 11. So that's like a scary age, because usually if your new reaches 10, that's that's a miracle. And so she's past that. And uh, she's lost most of her vision, so I'm always keeping an ear out for her. that's kind of like why I'm stressed at night and then the other thing is that um bought this car I don't know how much is in there and the other thing is I've been having problems with the food I've been eating like everything like now I just didn't tell my family oh, I'm I'm stroking out and so when I say that it's not really like a headache it's not very painful but it is it's pretty debilitating where like uh, light and everything uh, gets really sensitive, it gets difficult for me to see or for my eyes to focus. And so, like, light and motion actually makes my head feel like it's spinning. And sometimes it feels like I'm having a seizure. So, that was happening pretty daily and I couldn't figure out what it was because a lot of it is food-based that starts it's probably what we think it is is it's a migraine with aura but just no pain it's just the aura and so that's when your visual cortex starts to like freak out and they say there's like some kind of brain waves that go awry across the visual cortex and that's why you get vision problems you can lose your vision you get like squiggly lines or in my case I get um, uh, like spots in my vision usually colorful spots so that's been happening every night and I was like okay so what am I eating so I think what it was is this aged cheddar I was eating I make uh, this macaroni and cheese, uh, where it's kind of it's kind of saucy, and so what it is is it's just it's like four tablespoons of butter. You melt that, 
and then I can't eat gluten. Uh, so I use gluten-free flour. And uh, so you put three tablespoons of gluten-free powder in and then you mix it up as you're heating the butter. Uh, once it's melted, then you add two cups of milk, a half a cup at a time, and it thickens because you're making a roux. And then, um, and then you add uh, two cups of of shredded cheese. And so I used each cheddar. You're supposed to use cheddar. And so I'm pretty sure that I'm having a reaction to the aged cheese. And so I made a lot of it. So I was eating like a little bit at dinner for a couple of nights. And so, since I finished the macaroni, it's I've been better. So that mystery was kind of solved. But while I'm sleeping, it's just like, while I'm having the aura, it's, I'm really sensitive to everything. And so I don't sleep that well. So that too, this guy's pushing me. That was also adding to me not sleeping well. We're gonna soup this thing up. This might not. Oh, good. There's a break in the fence. But I've also been working on a lot of astrophotography stuff. So I've I've talked uh, a little bit about it. In the last stream but I have uh, a sky guider pro and it's just like this part you attach to a tripod and then you align it with the North Star if you're in the northern hemisphere and you know the planets rotating so the stars you know stars don't rotate but the planet does and so if you want to take a really long exposure you have to track the stars and so the Sky Guider is kind of a simple thing where it rotates and uh, counteracts 
the rotation of the earth so you can take like a photo for you know 50 seconds five minutes and then uh And so you can do longer photos, but what I do is I stack doing image stacking. So I'll take um, a six second photo where the shutter's open for six seconds, but it takes, I do that for an hour. So it takes like 2000 photos. And so, doing that, and then on the computer, uh, the computer combines all those images together, and it creates really high fidelity image, or it removes a lot of the noise, and essentially picks the strongest uh, pixels that there are. So you get really uh, detailed photographs of the sky. And so doing it that way, you know, yes, there are six second photos, but I'm doing it for, uh, you know, an hour and a half. And so they say that's a combined time of an hour and a half exposure. So what's nice about that is I live in Michigan, so there are a ton of clouds. Uh, it can be completely clear and then a cloud will pop out of nowhere. Or a huge cloud layer will come, and uh, so when I'm taking, you know, the 2,000 photos, I look at them in Lightroom, and it's like, oh, a plane flew by here. Don't use that photo. And then, oh, it's too cloudy on this section. These four photographs, and then don't use that one. Where if I was doing a hour-long exposure, uh, I wouldn't have that ability to cut out what uh, what I wanted, what I don't want. So I did that. So I took, uh, I used uh, three cameras and I took uh, pictures of four constellations. I did Orion, Ursa Major, uh, Gemini, and I did it at different focal lengths. So I did one at uh, 500 millimeters, which is a pretty long lens. Uh, it's actually a special lens I'm going to talk about later. But I did that, and I actually had a little bit of technical difficulties with that one. And then I did, um, I did uh, 28 millimeters, which is pretty wide angle. And then I did 200 millimeters with a different lens. So what's nice about the Sky Guider is the Skyguider Pro is if you, you know, balance it right and have kind of two medium-sized cameras, you can uh, you can mount two cameras to the same tripod mount and have it rotate. And so that's what I do. And then I have one more 
uh, mount that uh, I attached the bigger lenses to with the camera. So each constellation I take three sets of photos. Kind of the wide angle, the medium, and then the super telephoto. And so it ended up... You have to take them in RAW. So they're huge file types and like I said, for each constellation there's about you know, 1500 images. And then I use a program called, uh, I think it's Deep Sky uh, Tracker. No, that's not it. It's Deep Sky Stacker or something. But it takes all those photos, all those raw files, and then it looks at all the stars, and then it aligns each photo so they're all perfectly lined up. And uh, it's pretty easy for it because I'm using the did the wrong gear because I am tracking the sky so even though you know the earth's rotating and it rotates a lot in an hour uh, the lenses are following the stars and so it takes like the thousand photos I've discarded the ones I don't like and then it combines them together and makes a really low noise high resolution image but it takes forever. It takes like a day. Well, not a day. It took, it took five days to process uh, the 12 constellations because it was three, like I said, it was uh, three cameras uh, for four different constellations. Band. But yeah, so it took five days of processing on a hefty computer, and then it took about um, 700 gigabytes of raw files that had to be combined into one image. And then um, you actually need a separate disk. If you have enough space on your internal hard drive, you might not need it. But uh, to do the process, a lot of times you would need 200 or uh, 150 gigabytes where it had to use for temporary files uh, as it's combining them. So it's like, it takes a lot. So going back to the, I haven't been saying I've been busy, uh, going to the different parks, I've been droning. So I have a lot of new footage. I'm taking uh, photos as I drone as well. It is quite a time to be alive. I've built my own drone. Well, I, I've been doing uh, fixed wing 
which is like remote control airplanes and then droning but both of them are kind of large because they have to carry you know a gimbal and uh, gimbal and and camera that are pretty heavy but uh, the quadcopter which when people talk about drones that's usually what they're talking about it's the propellers are like nine inch propellers so it's pretty big and every time like if I need a part for it sometimes I go to the hobby store and they're like we don't have anything that big uh, but so it's difficult to get parts for it I mean it's easy with Amazon and eBay but not locally but uh, the drone I built it's called it's a DJI F450 and it's scary to fly it's one of those home built ones uh, kits that you get and it's not that it's the kit that's scary it's that I'm always worried about losing signal and transmitter and I might get a new transmitter and stuff but I've, I have a Turnigy uh, transmitter which is an inexpensive $100 one, but it is, there's a lot of settings you can have to make it programmable. Uh, but I have a FrySky module, uh, which uses a different, you know, transmitter than the original one. And so the whole reason why I got this one module is because it has extended range reliability and stuff and so that was all good and then I got a receiver which the transmitter sends the signal to the drone and the receiver is the part on the drone that you know accepts the signal and does what the controller tells it to do and uh, you know I upgraded this car and I feel like it's not doing as well as it normally would. A lot of that is because if you upgrade it, I think it puts you in a different class of drivers. You also have similar upgrades. But uh, going back to the drone, so I did that. I got the, it's like this little chip that goes on the back of the transmitter. And then FrySky uh, patched an update where. Oh no, this isn't good. This isn't good. I'm just chatting along. Minding my own business, I was about to lose the race. And, uh, so yeah, they made an update so that, uh, before there were like knockoff companies that were compatible, but they made an update where only their new things are compatible. Their new receivers are compatible with their new, uh, their newer transmitters. And so because of that, 
even their older um, transmitters don't work with their newer transmitters either. So not only did they nuke the competitors, they nuked themselves with their older transmitters. So I was like, ugh. So now I have like two transmitters that were kind of, you know, they're medium range. They were like 80 or $90. Uh, not transmitters, receivers. And I got them for being like super reliable. So that was annoying. But... So I'm always kind of weary when I fly it, you know, for interference and stuff. Uh, the flight controller I use for the drone is kind of... You have to like plug it into the computer to program it and everything. It's uh APM model. And so it's a uh, Adreno pilot. Adreno pilot. And it works well like 90% of the time, except for like one thing. And that's like um, just holding this position. Like I can have it do an altitude hold, and that works well. Or I can fly it manually with no autopilot. But so it was always scary. It's a big setup. I have to go to the park usually early in the morning when no one's there. And like I said, when I'm flying it, there's so much electromagnetic, you know, fields from its own motors that getting the antenna placement was always difficult. So I've always had signal problems. And so, like I said, the, they updated the... Did I just do this race? I think I did. And so, like I said, because of the... Uh, the upgrades, I can't use the new receivers. And I can only use the older receivers in uh, kind of an older... Uh, protocol for transmitting. So uh, I actually bit the bullet and then I got a DJI drone. I have the um, ARS2, the Air 2S. The reason why I got that one is because I needed a drone that does uh, 60 frames per second and I wanted it to do uh, 4K at 60 frames per second. And I'm not planning on releasing the videos that I do with it in 4K at 60 frames, but I do uh, plan on releasing it kind of slowed down to 30 frames. So because it's 60 frames, slowing it down to to uh, 30 frames it's just remapping the frames and uh, so that's about two times slow motion so if I fly if I take a video that's one minute long uh, when it's converted to 30 frames per second it will be two minutes long I have no idea where I'm supposed to be going. 
just barely made that. They completely lost the line of the track. And so the reason why I do that is so I can fly. Um, I can. It's mainly for audiobooks that I do the droning for. So the visual audiobooks and everything that have to do with aviation and, and things like that, both fiction and nonfiction. And so I need, you know, these videos, I need to do like five or six hours of footage. And so with the drone, each battery, I only get like 20 minutes of flight time. And so using that slow motion method. I do, I don't have to go out to the park as much to get footage. I still have to do a lot, uh, but it's not as hard. You have arrived at your destination. And so before with my, with my homemade drone, I would do HD at 120 frames per second. And so that would be, that's four times uh, slow motion. And so if I record a minute of footage, then that's uh, four minutes uh, once it's converted. So that was slow, but it was a little too slow. But the main reason why I did it that slow was because uh, for my first drone, it was a $80 um, Bugs 3 uh, drone, and so it could barely handle a GoPro. And uh, so I did it at 120 frames because there was no gimbal, there's no stabilization. And so because it was so slow, what would seem like a jerky movement of it auto-correcting to be a level would actually be kind of slower it'd still be kind of wobbly but it wouldn't be as jarring as if I did it in real time but shooting with the DJI drone the Air 2S, it's like, it's incredible. Like there are so many things I've had to do, like in terms of like having to develop skills and, and practice. And it's just like, the kids today have no idea how easy flying that drone is compared to flying something more manual. I mean, which is good. I'm not saying the manual way is better. Uh, because with this one, I like, I don't have peace of mind. Uh, but I do trust it a little bit more. Um, I never fly it outside of my sight, so I can always see it where I'm flying. And then call that a line of sight, which is what you're supposed to do. Unless you have, like, a professional drone license. I just have a recreational drone license and safety test but
But yeah, so I'll like fly it maybe 400 feet away and I can still eyeball it. And so I know if it's going to run into a tree, I know if it's out in the open. But like this drone has like, it's called like an advanced uh, safety system. And if you get too close to like, let's say a tree or a building, it will tell you, hey, there's something right next to me and it will, sh it will light up and say there's something too close on the left on the screen or there's something too close behind. And it's like really reliable. Uh, and so the, the safety features and stuff and everything is incredible. The only thing I don't really like is that um, you can't land it. It has to land itself. So you bring it close to the ground and then you push a button and say land. And it lands and that's good. And then it takes off by itself. You press take off and then it hovers. Um, but the reason why the landing annoys me a little bit is because uh, I have an adapter where I can put a VR camera on it. And so if you tell it to land, uh, it would squish the camera because it's hanging underneath it. And uh, so if you want to, the other thing you can do is you can have it land and you catch it. like. Uh, but it won't do that because it says, hey, there's an object right next to me. I'm going to scoot away from it so not to hit it. So you can't really reach it and stuff. And so with with the 360 camera mounted to it, uh, what I do is like I'll grab the camera as it's hovering, but it's trying to fly away. And then I turn it off. And then it turns off, but it's like, it really strains the motor. And so I haven't figured out a good way to get it to turn off some of the safety features. Like I have it, I've turned it off. Uh, I've tried turning off, you know, the avoidance system. And so yeah, it, it avoids things when you're flying, but it's still, when it's trying to land, it still tries to avoid things and stuff. But uh, for the past week, I've just been flying, taking uh, regular videos with the gimbal. And that gimbal is so... It is a dream. There's like no vibrations. Uh, it's really easy to control. It's just like the kids today have no idea how hard droning used to be. Even with the earlier T DJI stuff. And then this thing is, you know, collapsible. I have a small uh, photography bag that I got uh, from Salvation Army. And it fits in there. And I have six batteries. That all fits. And the controller. And it's just like, I have all this that fits in a bag that I can throw over my shoulder. Versus my other drone where I need a giant... Uh, hard case like it's the case I have for the other drone it's it's essentially like a storage bin like that kind of size I'm gonna try and get a mini cooper I think
And so early in February, uh, I have kind of we're doing the return of uh, the magazine that I used to do with the Master of Art Monthly. And so the January issue, I'm gonna have to, I'm trying to have it come out in February, the beginning of February, and it's gonna be kind of like a photography diary of all the stuff I did in uh, in January. So I'm gonna put the drone photos, um, drone photos, the the astrophotography that I've been doing, and then um, I have some wildlife photos as well. So January was a busy month. And then I'm also going to put in some tutorials. And then throughout the month of February, uh, I'll be releasing more videos of the things that I've animated and everything. And we also have um, the Alaska Lost Photographs. And so I'm going to put a couple articles in there about Alaska and show off those. Uh, photographs, but I'm going to be releasing it on uh, the Amazon Kindle platform, and then I uh, I am going to release a uh, iBooks um, an iBooks version uh, for the Apple iPad and and phone and. The iBooks version will let me put in videos and uh, embedded links and things like that. So it's more interactive. I'm pretty sure you can't put videos in the uh, Kindle editions, Kindle books. Uh, so the iBooks one will have that. And then I'm going to do a limited, uh, limited print version. And then uh, I haven't, I haven't figured out where I'm going to sell it. Uh, I haven't decided if it's going to be like eBay or Etsy. So it's going to be a busy couple of weeks. Not a couple of weeks, a, a busy week coming up. I have this 500 millimeter lens and it's an unusual one and so the reason why it's unusual is because it's a mirror lens 
so instead of using lenses uh, to uh, create the magnification, it uses two mirrors, uh, just like you would see in a telescope, a Newtonian telescope. Uh, and uh, it uses that uh, to achieve the 500 millimeters. And I've always wanted to test this out. They were always really inexpensive. I got mine for $80. It was an open box one on eBay. And if you look them up online, uh, it's like a generic lens. So kind of affordable lens companies have their own models and stuff, but they're all essentially the same. And... Do, 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 do. And uh, so I got it out, but if you look online on the reviews, everyone says, oh, it's so unusual. And then a lot of photographers won't commit to recommending it, but they'll say, you know, like, oh, it definitely has its own style, but I'm not saying you should get it. But if you do, you might like it. It's completely up to you. So I always thought that was weird that everyone was not committing to saying it's good, but then they show their photos that they take with it, and they're pretty good. Uh, but the issue that a lot of photographers have is the broke, which is a whole other story. <laughs> but, um, so the backgrounds and stuff that are out of focus, uh, instead of being, um, you know, blurry in, a, in the kind of normal uniform way, uh, like you would get with uh, a lens that uses, you know, refracted glass. Um, the... The, um, with the mirrored one, uh, the out-of-focus areas are, kind of creates little donut holes. Uh, because the way the mirror works is uh, it's a mirror that's closest to the camera and then there's another mirror that's on the tip of the lens and so the camera actually looks through a hole in the primary mirror uh, and uh, that's how it sees out and so because there's a, a hole that it focuses around uh, that's why the out-of-focus spots have kind of that ring shape. So a lot of photographers hate that, and others don't care, and I, I don't care about that. Uh, but it only happens in certain situations. So it's like if uh, the part that's out of focus is in the background and it's super bright, then you get the rings. But if it's kind of a dull, darker background, you don't see the rings so much. And so it is really good for wildlife photography. Yesterday I did do some uh, photos of some geese and uh, you know, for it being 500 millimeters, I was maybe 400 feet away from them and it was, you know, it was on the images, uh, it was close to it wasn't like their full body took up the frame, but you know, the they took up maybe, uh, well, 
their feet would be like from the bottom of the frame to their head being the top of the frame. So that was that was nice. And then oh my goodness. Another thing the kids today don't understand is like back in my day you had to actually look to see if things were in focus. Now this lens is fully manual. There's no electronics on it. You have one f-stop and that's uh, 6.3 or something. And uh, but uh, I was kind of you know Canon and everyone they're all leaving the mirror system which I used I used to like the mirror system because uh, you would actually see you through the lens and you could focus that way but as I've, as I've gotten older it's become more difficult for me to see clearly so it's harder to focus uh, through the lens and so now uh, I have the R10 and so it has the focus assist which was something usually my video cameras had and so uh, for things that are sharp and contrasty uh, the camera will highlight them in blue and so if it's just you know sharp and uh, detailed and it's highlighted in blue that means there's a probability that that's uh, an area that's in focus now it's not always 100% true uh, but it it's something that you know is usually true you can have something that sharp and contrasty and it's out of focus but it looks like you know jagged lines which would kind of indicate that it's focused when it's really not so you do still have to look at the image and judge it but and so with that feature in the camera and this lens it instead of it being such a hard lens to focus um, because like I said it's 500 millimeters and with an aperture of 6 and for a telephoto lens that's quite low I mean a lot of times you hear with lenses like oh you need an aperture of 1.2 or 2.8 to be any good but once you get to a certain distance uh, with affordable lenses you get to like the best aperture you can get is 8 an f-stop of 8 and so uh, the, the depth of field of something that's in focus versus out of focus it's like 2 inches so if you're focused on the wrong thing you can be off by 2 inches and it will look very out of focus and so only a sliver of things are are in focus and but with the focus assist on the Canon and, and stuff with the highlights and peaking it's it's really easy to figure out when you're in focus and so if I had an earlier camera that was just through the lens it would be a lot more difficult to focus this uh, focus this camera but it's turned out not to be so I was quite lucky I was quite lucky but yeah so that's the lens I'm using 
for wildlife and for astrophotography. Do, 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 do. Kind of went wild over there. But for the astrophotography, even though you're taking uh, photos at the stars, which is like the farthest possible thing, uh, it's still a little difficult to get them in focus. And uh, just because the lens is so sensitive, but I was able to do it. But when I was doing the image stacking, it turned out that the camera was, uh, the mount was a little wobbly, so there's a lot of streaking on the stars, so that was unfortunate. But the next time I do it, I'll, I'll take better photos. And then when I stack them, it will be, will be better. topics I wanted to cover today. We'll do this one race and that'll be it. But I finally got a call from uh, my GI doctor. It's a new doctor and so I got a referral. It's funny because it's taken a, over a year to get this referral. And like a lot of the doctor the uh, uh, doctor I see for insurance was like, ah, oh, you don't need it, just do this. So we've been trying a lot of things before I got the referral. And uh, I finally got it. Which is a little annoying because I've been saying I should see a GI doctor uh, for a while. But uh, I got the appointment and I called. And the receptionist was like a really nice lady. But she is like, oh, we've been calling you. And I was like, yeah, I called back, but your office was closed and got busy. Um, but she's like, okay, I can book you in March. And I was like, March? I didn't say that, but I was like, oh, okay. And so right now we're in January, if you're watching this video later. So it's not even February, so... I have to get through February, but I am doing better, but I still have a lot of problems now with my GI track. But I'm also taking a huge amount of medical stuff for my GI track. So I'm hoping that after I see this doctor, we can get more answers and then maybe you can come up with either like a dietary solution or, or figure out what's going on. Because like right now, I have to take four uh, cups of of Miralax, and then I have to do other stuff, and I'm still blocked. 
I can get some movement, but it's very difficult. So, but like I said, I was in a horrific shape in November where I was like passing out. It was really painful. I couldn't stand up for a long time and I thought it was like a back pain or hernia, but since doing all this medicated stuff, it's gotten better, but it's still there. But it's just not painful. So that is nice. And I'm able to sit up for longer and, and everything. Thank you everyone for coming out. I'll be live next week. Uh, yeah, next week. I'm, I'll try to be live either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, this coming Saturday or Sunday. But yeah, I'll release this on the podcast and, uh, and YouTube. Bye-bye.